Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from November 8th by Pastor Randy, titled Branches and Sticks, Part 2. One of Jesus' favorite tools that we talked about last week was using the metaphors to give us a picture. He would give us pictures that would give us a, a, a clear understanding of what he's trying to talk about. Not only do pictures give us a clear understanding, they allow us to have more applications and implications for our lives, to see what God wants us to see. And so they're very effective. So Jesus used those throughout his ministry. He would say things like at the beginning of his ministry, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. And metaphors like that, pictures like that, they let us know not only who we are, but they let us know what we're supposed to do. Then later on, he would say, uh, I am the light of the world, or I am the door. That let us know who he was. It gave us a clear picture of who he was. And we begin last week looking at this metaphor in John chapter 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And that let us know that we are to be connected to him, that everything we can do, everything we can produce is only because we are connected to him. And without that connection, nothing is possible. And here's the, the great thing about that is, is that God wants to be connected with us. He wants that. And He wants us to get rid of all distractions in order to be connected to Him. We see this desire for God all throughout Scripture. The psalmist would say, I, I wait for thee all day long. And he'd also say, as a deer pants from water, so my soul longs after you. Hosea would put it this way, he'd say, I desire the knowledge of God more than sacrifice. I want that connection more than anything else, anything I can do, I want that connection. Paul would say, I count all things lost for the surpassing value of knowing God, of having that connection to God. Some of you have found, though, it's real easy to get exhausted trying to do a bunch of stuff to, to, to make yourself worthy of God or, or to love God when you, when you don't realize that what you really need more than anything else is, is just that, that time just to be in His presence, that, that connection with Him. You need that more than anything because once that connection is real, then loving others and forgiving others and serving others and accepting others and being holy just like He is holy, that's going to be not only easy, it'll be a joy, it'll be a delight of your heart. So, we're going to pick up and continue talking about this. Let's read our verses in John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, He removes it, and He prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch, and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. All right. So, what I want to do first is I want us to take a look at some dangers that's implied in this metaphor. Some things we have to watch out for that's sort of implied in this metaphor that Jesus gives. The first one is this. It's dangerous when we connect to a fake vine. 
See, Jesus says, I am the true vine. When he says, I am the true vine, that means there's some fake ones out there. There are some vines that, are, that won't tell you that this connection, it's, it's all about you being happy. There, there are people out there who tell you that it's all for you. That everything you do for God is centered around you. That worship is for you. Listen, anybody that comes along and wants to try and get you to, to make the center, the branch or yourself the center and not God, that's a fake vine. That's not a true vine. And there's lots of ones out there that want to take Christianity and make it man-centered rather than God-centered. Secondly, it's dangerous when we confuse the metaphor. When we think, when we begin to think, have this pride and think it's all for us, that we're the one that's helping produce things. We're the one that's, that's getting things done. You know, if it wasn't for us, God couldn't do it. But if you understand this metaphor, there is no we. God is the one that produces the fruit. It's all God's life thrown through us, not us at all. It's like when Moses is leading the, 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 the children of Israel through the wilderness, and they get to the point where they're thirsty and they're angry. And they go to Moses, and they demand something. They want something to drink. They're going to die. And Moses goes to God and said, God, they're thirsty. And God says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I want you to speak to the rock, and I'll bring water out of the rock. But Moses, he goes to the rock, and he's a little bit frustrated, and he's angry. So he doesn't speak to the rock. He strikes it. And he says, must we bring water from this rock? And God says, oh, Moses, not a good move. You are not going to get into the promised land. Why? Because you didn't consider me to be holy. You didn't take into account my holiness. Now, a lot of people will say it's because he struck the rock rather than spoke to it. And that may be so. But I believe it's when he said, must we bring water out of this rock? There is no we. God, the one who does it. He's the one who, who anything that you produce, it's going to be because of his life flowing through you. There is no we. God can do what you can't do. God can clean up your mess when you can't clean up your mess. God can make a way when there is no way. There is no we. It, it, it's all of him. Without him, we're just another sad stick story like we talked about last week. But now let's get to this third thing, this third pitfall, this third danger. And this one is what I want to spend time on. It's dangerous to live off the leftovers of somebody else's connection. It's got to be your own connection. You can't trust anybody to connect for you. When you don't have, a, when you don't have your own connection to God, you're in danger. You're in danger to every fad that comes along, every false teacher that comes along. You're in danger of every trendy church. You're in danger of every silver-tongued preacher that comes along. Let me, let me help you. Let's put it another way. Abraham. Abraham had a very real connection to God. Very real. And then after Abraham came his son Isaac. And this is what we read about Isaac. This is Genesis 26, 24. And the Lord appeared to him, talking about Isaac, that night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your offspring because of my servant Abraham. Or your virgin made it for the sake of my servant Abraham. So Isaac has a relationship with God. He has a connection. But it is through the filter of Abraham. 
It's sort of a, a residual type connection. It's an inherited type connection. And then Jacob comes along, Isaac's son, and he wants a relationship with God. But how does he seek to get it? How does he seek to get the blessing of God in his life? By trickery. He thinks he can trick his way into getting a, a connection, a blessing from God. So first generation of Abraham who had a very real connection with God, and then the second generation, Isaac, who had sort of a, an inherited or residue-type connection with God, and then comes Jacob, who resorts to games and gimmicks. So you have people who have a real connection with God. They have a real experience, a real connection, and it completely changes their life, makes them completely different. Then the next generation comes along, and they just sort of live off the residue of that, the inheritance of that. And then the third generation comes along, and they don't want to pay the price that it takes to have a real connection with God. So what do they do? They resort to games and gimmicks. They resort to, to the counterfeit and cheap substitutes. Happens all the time. What I want you to understand is that the further away you get from, the real, from a real connection, the more dangerous it gets, the worse things it gets. See, the next generation... They'll have just have varying degrees of spiraling down into a powerless Christianity, into tolerable sins, into, into cheap substitutes and counterfeits. They'll just start making their way down to here. Don't think you'll ever see real change in your life or in our country until we have this, until this becomes very real and genuine. Never happen until people have a real connection. And the question is, a lot of people, they're not willing to pay the price for this. They settle for a cheap substitute. They settle for the counterfeit. Right now in our country, about 2 to 4%, and I'm talking about in our Christian culture, country is what I'm talking about. About 2 to 4% of millennials have a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. Less than that for Gen Z's. They have pretty much rejected Christianity. And they're not rejecting this. This is all they've had modeled for them. They're rejecting this. They see the hypocrisy over here. They see the the. The, the, the substitutes, and, and, and they, they see the, all the junk that goes on over here, and that's what they're rejecting. They're not rejecting this. It's just, it's just that this is all they had modeled for them. You will never make a difference without a real connection. But that's just it. So many people will settle for the cheap substitutes, the counterfeits. That's what Christina was getting across in her little thing here. It's like turkey bacon, right? That's not real bacon. That's an abomination against God. Turkey There's no such thing as a turkey pig, is there? Nothing at all. Or a broccoli donut. As soon as you put broccoli in front of it, it's not a donut. It's just broccoli in a circle. That's all it is. It's not real. A few days ago, I was down lower 48 at my son's house, just two or three days ago, and I'm ready to get breakfast. And he says, oh, Dad, I got something for you. He opens up his freezer. In the bottom freezer, he pulls out this little thing. It's got some clear cellophane on it. It says, here, it's a muffin. And I go, what is that? It's a muffin. 
It's like, it's like a blueberry muffin. And I looked at it and go, what's it made of? He said, it's made of zucchini and carrots, and it's got blueberries in it. I said, that's not a muffin. <laughs> no, I don't want that. Don't call that a muffin. And what do we do? We settle for the substitute and the counterfeit rather than the real. It, it happens all the time. Don't settle for that. See, the thing is, we don't want to pay the price that it takes to have this real connection. People think it's not worth it to have the real and the genuine in their life. Instead, they'll settle for the substitute. Old Testament story. King Solomon had 300 shields of gold made. 300 shields of pure gold. They were never meant to be used in battle. They were meant to just signify the purity of the glory of God. And so they're on display in the temple. So King Solomon dies. His son Rehoboam comes to the throne in Jerusalem. And because of his sin, Shishak, the, the Pharaoh of, of Egypt, comes down and he takes those 300 shields of gold. He just takes them, snatches them up. Says, you can't stop me. Takes them back to Egypt. So now Rehoboam has a choice. He can get down on his knees and repent and seek to have a real, genuine connection with God. Or he can set up for a substitute and pretend like everything's okay. Guess what, which one he chose? He chose this over here. He had 300 shields of brass made. That if you polish them up, they sort of look like gold. But they're not the real thing. And we have a whole culture that is settling for the, the substitute, the, the, the shields of brass. They have the appearance of having a connection with God. It appears that way, but it's not there. They're just cheap imitations. And you go and you ask these people, how are you and God doing? Oh, we're good. We're okay. No, they're not. They just got their shield of brass up there. They're not okay. Settling for a cheap substitute of a real connection with God. Samson laid his head on Delilah's lap as his hair was being cut. And then he got up, and this is what we read. Samson, she cried out, the Philistines are here. When he awoke from his sleep, he said, I will escape as I did before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Oh, that's a sad verse, isn't it? Tell me. If you no longer had this, how long would it take for you to know? Two minutes? Two days? Two weeks? Two decades? If any time? How long would it take for you to know? If you did not have a real connection with God anymore? Samson didn't know, he didn't have a clue, and that's how dependent he was upon himself. That's how much he thought this was a wee thing. Look what I can do. See, he completely forgot about, he had to depend continually on God. He was that, that, that branch who had to have the vine, who had to have God's life, or else what was he worth? He was worth nothing. He completely forgot about that. The, the word to describe Samson's life is down here, disconnected. 
That's what he was, completely disconnected. I'm sorry, some of you over here can't see that. It says disconnected down here. For you on that side that can't see. We'll try and help you out a little bit. There, does that help? No, I guess not. Well, you just have to trust me. So, there's three things about being disconnected from God. Number one, disconnected people are not lost. They're not lost. Samson shows up in Hebrews chapter 11. As one of the great heroes, they're not lost. Their life is just so much less than what it could be. What if Samson had gone through his life with a strong connection with God, with a genuine, real connection with God? Just think what he could have accomplished. People who are disconnected, they may have some victories from time to time, but their life is nowhere near where it could have been if they would have had a real connection with God. Every once in a while, they see God show up, and oh, look what God did. And every once in a while, it happens to them, but nothing like it could have been if they'd have been walking through their life with this real, genuine connection. Secondly, disconnected people don't inspire others to take God seriously. Samson was a judge for 20 years. He had a lot of battles with the Philistines. Nobody follows him in the battle with the Philistines. Nobody. He didn't inspire anybody to, to rise up against the Philistines. And if he'd have stood up and said, okay, let's get rid of our idols, people. Let's get rid of our immorality and let's head toward God. Who would have followed him? Nobody. Nobody would have taken him seriously. Disconnected people, they don't inspire anyone else at all to take God seriously. And take note of that because we're going to be talking about that in just a few moments where it comes to this next generation. They don't inspire anybody. And the third thing, disconnected people don't take sin seriously. People who are disconnected think it's okay for them to have sin in their life. It, it, it's not that, that, that big of a deal. Either they'll have a pet sin or something that they do with, or, or, or they'll just be blatantly defiant against God. They'll just be, okay, I know this is wrong, I'm going to do it anyway. Because what they think, nothing bad's happened yet. They mistake God's mercy for acceptance. Just because God has some mercy on you doesn't mean He accepts what you've done. Just ask Samson and later in his life. This is what we read in Galatians chapter 6. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever person sows, he will also reap. God's not mocked. Now, when he says God is not mocked, that doesn't mean you can't mock God. What he's saying is you can't mock God and get away with it. People mock God all the time. But the verse is saying you can do that, but you just won't get away with it. So, don't settle for a disconnected life. When you settle for a disconnected life, not only do you not take sin seriously, but other people aren't going to be taking sin seriously. Your kids will look at this. The next generation will come along and look at you having a disconnected life. And they may not even have anything to do with God at all. All right. There's a danger here. There's a danger in preaching a sermon like this because a lot of people say, okay, I need to get connected again to God. And what they'll do is they'll want to try and put 
a whole picture together like when they were connected years ago, you know, back in 1965 or last year or whatever. They'll want to put together uh, the, the, the atmosphere when they remember they were last connected or, or the, the packaging, we'll call it, like they remember they were last connected. They'll want things to be like it was back in 1965 or, or five years ago or whatever it was when they were connected. Let me help you understand it this way. Years ago, Coke decided it was their mission, their goal as a company to put a Coke in the hand of everybody in the world. Everybody. So this is what they did. They came out with this right here, the glass bottle. That wasn't feasible in some places. So then they came out with the aluminum can. Okay? And then, later on, came the, the plastic bottle. Now, when people say, I need to get connected with God, and they want to argue about what's the atmosphere, what's the, what, what, what's, what's that, how can I help make that feasible in my life? Can I get back the way it was back in 1963 or whatever it was? It's kind of like arguing for the packaging here. Coke doesn't care what packaging you have as long as you drink Coke. They don't care at all what package it comes in as long as you have Coke. But here's how this plays out in church. You have these people, glass bottle people. They're a little bit rigid. They want things to be back like it was in, in 1963. Three hymns, special music, three points and a poem and a sermon. That's what they want. <laughs> Who's the Coke person? There he is. Yeah. Tom's not a glass bottle person. Then comes along the, the can people. Jesus movement. Late 60s and 70s. These can people, they look on the glass bottle people as being sort of rigid, stuck in their ways. Yeah. Not real good. It's okay, but, you know, yeah, they're just too rigid, stuck in their ways. They look at the, these plastic bottle people, they're a little too flexible. They like to move during the service a little bit, maybe even hop around a little bit. Like things like, uh, I don't know, elevation worship, stuff like that, you know. The, 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 and I just lost all the Coke people. They have no idea what we're talking about now. But Hillsong and Elevation and things like that, uh, you know, they, everything's on the big screen with, with these people. And all their favorite preachers wear skinny jeans, right? <laughs> and and, and the, the, the plastic bottle people, they don't hate the, all the, they don't hate the glass bottle or, or the can people. They just can't figure out what nobody likes them is all. So, if, if we were committed or as committed to what we are to be about as Christians, if we were as committed to our, our commission as Christians as Coke people are, making sure everybody gets a can of Coke, we wouldn't care what the packaging is like. We just want the real thing. Because what's in this? The real thing, right? Right? 
What's in this? The real thing. What's in this? The real thing. And if we would just be committed to the real thing, if we would just be committed to this, as Coke people are about getting everybody to drink a Coke, we would understand what this is about in our culture. Rather than being a culture full of substitutes and and counterfeits, being disconnected from God. Listen, if we don't get this right, what's the next generation going to look like? Well, maybe because we haven't gotten this right, look what we're stuck with with the next generation and the next generation. Some of them don't even care about God at all. And some, that's all they see is substitutes and counterfeits. They, they, they see a bunch of hypocrisy. And they don't want that. We've got to get this right. And it shouldn't matter to us what package it comes in as long as we get this right. If only we began to be a people like David who said, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. God, I just got to have that connection. Just got to have that. Or like Hosea says, I desire the knowledge of God. I desire this connection. I desire knowing him more than sacrifice. Or Paul who said, I count all things as lost for surpassing value of this right here, of this connection. But so many times we settle for the the brass shields. We appear like everything's okay. But it's not the real, it's not the genuine. We give the appearance and you ask us, how are things going? It's going great, it's going okay. No, it's not. You got a shield of brass there. The real thing's gone. You lost it a long time ago like Samson. And you didn't even know when you lost it. But you've lost it. The question is, are you going to settle for it? Are you going to settle for this for the rest of your life or not? Are you willing to pay the price it takes to have a real connection with God? So, two questions. Number one, are you passionate about God changing the world? Are you? Are you passionate about God changing the world? This would be a good time for you to say something. Okay, all right. Now, this next question, you don't have to say anything to this, okay? Are you passionate about God changing your life? Because until you get passionate about God changing your life about this, we'll never see our culture changed. It'll just keep getting worse. Because all we're doing, all we're doing is showing the world is just just cheap substitutes, counterfeits, what disconnected looks like. And that's not pretty. Every once in a while, we'll get something right. Every once in a while, the world looks at us and says, oh, what's going on over there in that little part of the world? And go, oh, that's nice. But nothing big will ever happen. We'll just go right back to that. So every once in a while in our Christian culture here, you'll see, a, let's say, some church, and they add 1,000 people next Sunday. So what if they're all like this? Nothing's changed if they're all like this. But this will never happen in our culture till you get serious, till you get serious about it happening with you. Right? 
until you get up in the morning and your first desire in the morning is just to be with Him. Just to have that connection with Him. God, I just want to spend some time with you. See, this is not a one and done thing. Don't think that you're today you're going to come down and some, make some decision today and that's it, I made that decision. No, no, no. This is not a one and done. This is a life. It's a lifestyle. This is something that consumes you. It becomes something that's so a part of you, you don't want to let go. No, God, nothing can stop me from being with you. I've got to have that. And then you'll say with the, with the psalmist and with the prophets, oh, God, just to be in your presence. Better is one day, one day in your course than a thousand elsewhere. If I can just spend just to be with you, to have this means more than anything. So, I'm not worried about the package. I just want you to get the real thing. And if we were a rich church, I'd give you all a choice of what you want to take home. I only got a four pack of this and a, only one of those and a 12 pack of that. They didn't have them at singles at Walmart yesterday, so I had no choice. But give you the, uh, just, just something to take home and to remind you that you've got to have the real thing. Do you care about it? Do you want it? Are you as passionate about God changing your life as you are about Him changing the world? Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.